This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. In the era of the Me Too movement and Time's Up, it seems as though ageism is the last taboo topic and may even be the last acceptable form of prejudice. As a society, we've made a lot of progress against the most recognizable isms, sexism and racism, as well as homophobia. So why is it that ageism is still being practiced? And more importantly, what can we do to fight back against stereotypes of aging to combat ageism. Joining me in studio to discuss is David Kravitz, Vice President of Zoomer Live and Zoomer U. Thanks, David, for walking down. Thanks for coming down the hall. (laughs) And on the phone, employment lawyer Ari Kaplan. Hi, Ari. Hello. David, maybe first uh, define ageism for us. So we've got a springboard to uh, move on this conversation. Well, ageism has become uh, very widespread, not just in employment. It's basically a prejudice against people on account of age that leads to an unfair treatment or a stereotyping or, in in the case of a job uh, termination, in the case of marketing and advertising, which is not necessarily, you know, illegal, but ageism is the stereotyping of older people as being uh, infirm and helpless and not worthy of the consideration, let's say, of marketers. So in that sense, it maybe gets punished in the marketplace. Much more seriously, in the workplace, it means terminating, uh, and I'm not you know, Ari's the lawyer on board, but it, getting rid of somebody, demoting somebody, downgrading somebody on account of age, where you cannot show, I think, that it caused, uh, you know, a legitimate uh, performance problem. And Ari, is it written down? Is it unlawful to let someone go in this province or this country because of their age? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Ontario Human Rights Code is a piece of legislation that specifically protects people from discrimination in their employment on the basis of age. It says right in the code that everyone has the right to be equally treated at work without discrimination based on age. Are there exceptions when age may affect performance or are those other issues? I'm thinking in terms of if you're doing manual type work and you're and you're moving slower than you did 20 years ago. Is that a reason to let somebody go? Yes, so there are absolutely uh, cases and, and statutes and policies about older people at work and being able to do the job. There's been a number of cases, particularly in the area of um, emergency work. You know, I'm talking about uh, uh, firefighters, police officers, uh, and, and other emergency type work where people have been transitioned out uh, when they're older on the basis that they're not physically able to do the work. And that's, that's different from you know, other cases where, you know, there's a, like, as David said, where there's a, there's a bias or a prejudice that's being applied, you know, discriminatorily to somebody at work on the basis of their age, you know, based on, not on their physical capacities to do the job, uh, but rather based on stereotypes and based on a, a bias that there's an impression that they're less worthy or uh, uh, to do the job in question. Okay, I know our producer, Michelle, 
Saunders has briefed you both on the case of the three servers in Hamilton, Ontario, at the Black Forest Inn. They're between the ages of 49 and 64 and say they resigned after their hours were cut way back and younger servers were hired and given far more hours. In fact, this case will be heard before the province's Human Rights Tribunal beginning March 27th. Um, maybe, Ari, you can explain for us what will happen in these proceedings. Yeah, so if they have a hearing date that's being heard at the end of this month, then they're, they're going to be proceeding as litigants before an Ontario tribunal, which is very much like being in a trial in court. However, instead of it being before a judge that we have in court, it will be a, a before you know, independent adjudicators who are you know, vice chairs or members of the Ontario Human Rights Tribunal, and they'll be there you know, hopefully with lawyers, and the restaurant, the respondent, will be there you know, with their lawyers, and they'll have a hearing. They'll have a trial where the uh, three people who are alleging discrimination uh, on the basis of you know, the, code, the Human Rights Code, they'll try to prove their case. They, it's, it's their obligation to put forth evidence to establish that the, their treatment at work, and like you said, they were, they're alleging that they were given um, reduced work hours. They were also, I believe, uh, they were put on the day shift rather than the night shift where the tips are better and there's a, a fuller restaurant. They're going to need to prove to the adjudicator at the tribunal that the actions that were done to them by the restaurant amounted to what I said earlier, amounted to discrimination in employment on the basis of age. David, how common is this scenario with these three servers uh, who are fighting ageism, what they believe to be ageism and why they were constructively dismissed? Well, I think it's it's very widespread, particularly when you get into that kind of qualitatively gray area like this one, where there's not performance metrics. They're not sitting at a computer terminal where, you know, you have a whole bank of peers sitting at other computer terminals and suddenly their, their numbers are falling or their metrics are falling. It's in that customer service. It's in that physical appearance, uh, the ambience of the restaurant, the image that they're trying to, I sound like I'm arguing on behalf of the uh, owners, but I'm not. I'm really trying to say those are the areas where it's most insidious, where you don't have those uh, maybe stopwatch, if you will, or statistical benchmarks where you can precisely say, look, they're expected to do this and they didn't do it. So he takes a look around his restaurant. He then was a new owner. He a new bought, owner, yes. He bought the restaurant from the family that had run it forever. And he says, maybe this isn't the image I want to project. So he doesn't fire them, but he constructively uh, fire. Again, I'm not trying uh, for, for Aria. I'm not trying to cross over into being a lawyer, but he manages their work hours. They're suddenly not getting as many tips. I think there were some sections of the restaurant that he would make them. Other people could serve them first. They were literally standing around waiting for a table. To but be. that would be ageism. If, yes. If he was basing it on that. And it sounds like uh, from their point of view, there doesn't appear to be any other um, basis in their story as presented in the media. In fact, I think they even said he he made a point of wanting them to work on the 50th anniversary of the restaurant. Right. So they were in keeping with that whole heritage of this, you know, neighborhood place that was legendary uh, for for generations. They were when, when it suited them that they were part of that story. 
But going forward, they weren't going to be part of that story. And it's a very uh, widespread precisely because it falls into that uh, judgment area where you don't have precise performance metrics. Ari, can the employer here in this case uh, of this Black Forest Inn restaurant, can, can they be forced to give these women back their jobs? Um, well, they've quit their job, so let's right. be clear. Right. So, I mean, so that that's different from being terminated. I mean, I think the most likely result, if the applicants here, if the women who are, are before the tribunal are successful, is for compensation. And I think that's what they're claiming is compensation. And, you know, it's, it's, it's important to point out, you know, the point that they weren't terminated in their employment. They weren't, they weren't fired. And as David said, you know, they were even asked to be there for the anniversary of the restaurant. That, that coming back to my earlier point, that makes it, I think, a bit more difficult to prove, you know, discrimination on the basis of age. Okay. Well, let me ask you this then. Had they been terminated or in a similar situation where people are terminated and, and they feel that it's because of their age, can they be forced in the same situation to get their jobs back? Yeah, so in, in limited circumstances, there, there is, you know, uh, probably not in, in this case, but in certain types of work, there is a reinstatement uh, a possibility uh, for, uh, for uh, but, but not in the restaurant industry. It would be compensation. Um, and in, what's, what's, what's difficult here for them is the fact that, you know, the nature of that, and I know it sounds like a bit of a lawyer, but the evidence that they're putting forward, it's not direct evidence, it's circumstantial evidence, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no specific words or actions that they're pointing to, it seems, to say, hey, you know what, you are discriminating against me on the basis of age. It's not like they're saying, we're putting you in the slow section during the day because people feel that you're too old and you're, not, you're less you know, pleasant to look at or something other grotesque like that. That's direct evidence of discrimination. Sure. Right, but so me, it's, that's why it's, 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 it's a difficult case to prove uh, um, circumstantial evidence. With circumstantial evidence, it's difficult to prove age of discrimination. David, yeah, I just wanted to make one clarification. That's why it's so insidious, precisely for that reason. But the point I was making about being asked to work on the 50th anniversary, I was making the opposite point. To, if I'm valuable enough, oh, all of a sudden you need me for that. For, uh, for nostalgic for purposes. For purposes yes. and valuable, the rest of the time, I'm not working evenings and nights anymore. You're obviously easing me out by controlling my hours, which they are legally. That's why I say it's in this city. Everybody knows, assuming that the facts are as reported, what was done here. And you can't lay your hands on it specifically because they weren't uh, apparently reprimanded, they weren't fired, they weren't disciplined. It's that gray area. And that's why ageism is so difficult because it falls in these industries where you get these judgment calls, you can ease them out, you can not invite them to the key meetings. The next thing you know, you can you can marginalize them. And then I guess it crosses over into Ari's world where it becomes constructive uh, dismissal. Okay. You know, and and yes. on the point of constructive dismissal, that, that may actually be their, their, their better argument. And it wouldn't be before the tribunal. That would be a case where they would, you know, allege wrongful dismissal on the basis of 
of constructive dismissal in court, right? Because if it's true that they were working for many years, you know, a full-time job, 30 to 40 hours a week, and then, you know, they, they, they've been put into 20 hours a week, you know, all of a sudden, you know, that's a fundamental change to their work. And that's actually a very classic ground for arguing constructive dismissal. But that's not a human rights issue. That's a purely employment law argument that at the end of the day is not uncommon and very well could be the successful point for them for redress at the end of the day. Okay, gentlemen, we have some Zuma radio listeners who want to tell their stories of ageism, but we have to take a quick break. We're here with David Kravitz, Vice President of Zoomer Live and Zoomer U, and employment lawyer Ari Kaplan and Jane Brown for Libby's Nimer. And your calls right after the break, 416 360 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. Fight back with Libby's Nimer on Zoomer Radio with guest host, Jane Brown. We are talking about ageism. Have you been the victim of ageism? Have you lost your job because you think that your employer thought you were too old or didn't fit the image of your company anymore? Let's go to Anne in Pickering and tell us your story. Oh, hi, Jane. Thank you for taking my call. I love your program. Um, I was a law clerk for many, many years and really honed my you know, expertise and I was actually asked to join a lawyer from Pillar to Post as they moved. They asked me to move along with them. And um, I was with them actually for almost 18 years. And then they decided to go and branch out on their own and asked me again to go with them. And I, was, I felt like I was indispensable. I had an expertise in family law. And uh, once they resettled and got into their own little firm, their own little business, um, I was given substantive work to do. And as a couple of months went along, they hired uh, younger people. And they actually asked me to start training these younger people. And then they, um, when I found it difficult to train the younger people because they hadn't obviously had the same kind of training that I had had before I became a law clerk, um, it, it became very frustrating for me. And then they decided to hire junior lawyers who were actually one or two years out and um, have me still there to do all the troubleshooting. And then, but little remarks over time, they started making inferences to, you know, do you think you'll still be doing this in a few years? Um, you know, you, we need you to train the young hires. Um, and as time went on, um, I became marginalized and less and less work came to me. And then about six months before my 70th birthday, although I don't feel 70, to be honest with you, and a lot of boomers don't. Um, I was called into their office, and uh, they told me that they had evolved into a firm that just didn't need a law clerk of my caliber, and uh, that they uh, were terminating my employment. And uh, it wasn't really a surprise, because you could see the change in their attitude over time. It wasn't work-related. It was more of a culture change. So I do identify very, very much with what ageism looks like. Uh, but when I called the Human Rights Commission, uh, they basically told me to take a severance package before ever launching a claim against them. 
uh, because what the reward would be would be much less than what any uh, severance pay would be. Okay, let's get employment lawyer Ari Kaplan to weigh in on what you were told and whether that is in fact the case, Anne. Go ahead, Ari. Yeah, so I mean, get, taking a severance package would certainly help mitigate her losses, right? And, you know, I don't think the tribunal would have been giving her legal advice on that. Right. But certainly, the, the, I, I think the point is that if, if she w- were to have taken a severance package, that wouldn't then preclude her from filing a claim at the tribunal alleging that she was terminated, you know, on the basis of discrimination uh, on her age. So, um, uh, Oh, really? And, well, absolutely. I mean, if you've been terminated, you've been terminated. Now, at the same time, you know, if she were to have signed a release, you know, where it's a bit of a tricky situation when you're let go and you're given a package, is that you're often asked to sign, you know, what's called a, re- a full and final release and discharge, where you're saying, I'm accepting this, you know, package, the severance package, if you will, in exchange, I'm going to agree not to turn around and sue you, the employer. I'm going to agree not to file a claim at the Human Rights uh, Commission or at the tribunal, you know, on this issue. So it's a bit of a, you know, the best thing to do in that situation uh, is to receive legal advice and to, and to go to a lawyer to see what your rights are. All right, well, I, thank I you. I did do that. Thank I you, Anne. That. And th- this was the only solution for me without having to give up any kind of uh, a deal, right. quote unquote. Right. But this right. is happening all around me. I met friends of mine who've really paid their dues at very, very large firms in the city, and they're being made to feel uncomfortable as they're approaching their late 60s. And I really thank you for your story. I do want to get another one on here, uh, and this is certainly a topic we will revisit. Uh, before I go back to the phones, if we have time, uh, David, maybe you could, maybe we take a different tack on this. What are companies losing by getting rid of older workers? or thinking that it's better to have a younger workforce? Well, the, the good, new, good news is, if there is any here, that uh, not just the human rights of uh, ageism, but companies, even when the person willingly retires, they want to leave, the companies are starting to discover at the intellectual property, the knowledge, the institutional knowledge, the shortcuts, the stuff that isn't written in the employee manual. There's actually research starting to be done on this topic. And some companies, particularly in the financial services, are actually doing video exit interviews with people who are willingly leaving to say, I've got to capture all of what's in your brain before you leave the building. And I think that's going to be a very powerful force against ages. There will always be the legal issue and the human rights issue. But when companies begin to realize that the older workers are valuable as workers, not just valuable out of let's be decent to the old folks and let's not be mean to them, but substantive reasons why these people are still contributing in some cases – when you see the problems of some of the millennials hitting the workforce, they are more valuable than the younger workers. And I think that's where you're going to see the real revolution coming. And, and David, speak to what we have here at Zoomer Media, obviously inspired uh, by Moses Neimer and the idea that having the generations work together is the best possible. It's, it's absolutely the best possible yeah. because they learn from each other. 
There is mentoring from the older to the younger. There are new skills that the younger people are bringing in that the older people are. Now, we're in a business, though, I must say, where it's all brain power. We're not physically moving, uh, you know, sacks of material around a warehouse. But the same model applies if you get both older and younger workers. We just heard from, uh, you know, 30, 40 years as a law clerk, that knowledge, when they, when she leaves the building, they are hurting themselves. It isn't just that they're being mean to her. And Ari Kaplan, your final comments here. And uh, if you didn't get on, and I'm sorry, I know you were trying to call, uh, make sure you call back on Free For All Friday to have your stories heard and your views heard. Uh, Ari, your final comments. Yeah, so I think going back to the whole purpose of this segment is to create public awareness of the issue. And you asked earlier on what can be done to help educate people about these issues. And having programs specifically like this are, is, is, is a way to do that. People ought to know that they have rights. People ought to be aware that there are problems with you know, implicit biases and stereotypes about older people and that there's a worth and dignity for keeping people like that as a broad part of society. So I think just the public awareness of it will help change the, uh, the landscape. I thank you both for your time. Thank you. Fascinating topic and one we will have again. Ari Kaplan, employment lawyer and Zoomer Live president and president of Zoomer U, David Kravitz, and a baby boomer Zoomer expert. Jane for Libby, she will be back uh, tomorrow. In the meantime, thanks to Justin and Michelle, another great show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.